Hi, I'm Lauren Burdett, and you're listening to Life as Spiritual Practice, a podcast where we explore what it's like to experience ordinary aspects of life as ways to connect with the divine. If you are listening in real time, this is the last episode of our first season. I'm transitioning in my work for the next few months to focusing on the release of my first book, This Life That Is Ours, Motherhood as Spiritual Practice. And I thought, what better way to prepare for that change than to spend time here focusing on this topic that's so dear to my heart. That's why we were joined by Gabrielle Strauss last week to explore fatherhood as spiritual practice. And this week, I am joined by one of the most beautiful writers on motherhood that I have encountered, Barbara Mahaney. Barbara was a reporter and feature writer at the Chicago Tribune for nearly 30 years. And before that, she was a pediatric oncology nurse. Her first book, Slowing Time, Seeing the Sacred Outside Your Kitchen Door, has been called a field guide into the depths of your holiest hours. In her second book, Mother Prayer, Lessons in Loving, Mahaney turned her attention to the sacred mysteries of mothering. In her newest book, the Blessings of Mother Prayer, Sacred Whispers of Mothering, is a distillation of her two earlier books, along with new essays, and was published in 2018. Mahaney lives in the Chicago area with her husband, Blair, and their younger son, Teddy. Their older son, Will, is now at Yale Law School. Barbara, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this beautiful, cold, snowy morning. Yes. Is it freezing in Chicago? How? It's 17 below or something oh like that again. Oh, just, wow. <laughs> yesterday it was warm and raining. Now it's like sheets of ice covered with snow. Oh, my gosh. Of yes, of course. And that's it is not that extreme here, but it was pouring rain here yesterday as well. And now it's snowing. And Yeah. Wow. 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 And of course, I've been out on that on those sheets of ice because I'm a mother and I had to drive my kid to high school. So too bad if I had to put my life in my hands to go to get him to school. I did, gosh darn it, without one second thought. Oh my goodness. And isn't that, I don't know, that's such a perfect picture of motherhood, isn't it? That's- yeah, the spiritual practice of putting your life on the line. Yeah. <laughs> And who went first out the door to see how icy it was? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Not your high schooler, no. <laughs> no, 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 the mom. The mom went yes. first to make sure the high schooler with it, with the sturdier bones wouldn't <laughs> fall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's kind of how it goes from the beginning, right? It is. I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah. And take, take me back to the beginning for you and to the start of... I know you have spent so much time thinking about mothering as prayer and mothering as a spiritual practice. Mm. And take me back Mm -hmm. to when that started for you. Oh, gosh. Um, It started in the very, very, very beginning. Mm. Um, My first pregnancy was an ectopic pregnancy. Um. But I'm going to be really honest with you, okay? Because why not? So when I was in high school, I was anorexic. Mm. And so one, and that's something that I do not talk about very often, but we're having a really heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul conversation here. So here we go. Um, because Because of that, I had always, I think there was a mystery at the core of my soul. And I wondered if I would ever be able to become pregnant. Wow. Like I think there was such, there was like some kind of disconnect between my body and my brain or something. And so I really wondered, it was like this stepping into this void. Um, and I haven't thought about this in this terms before. So when I found out I was pregnant the first time, just a few months after we'd gotten married, mm-hmm. and I got married a little bit later. I was 34 when I got mm-hmm. married. Um, so I found out I was pregnant and literally was pinching myself, and it was like living, breathing a prayer from mm-hmm. the beginning. And I so wanted to have a baby. Um, 
And the night, I remember we were at dinner with this really great journalist, someone who'd been a mentor and teacher of my mm-hmm. husband's. And I got up at the restaurant to go to the bathroom. And I that was where I first saw like mm-hmm. spotting. And I was only like, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 mm-hmm. weeks pregnant, but yeah. that wasn't supposed to be there. So I came back to the table really, really scared. It, to, to, to shorten, to abbreviate the story, it turned out, um, you know, within a few weeks, within a couple weeks, maybe less than a week, I can't remember, um, you know, I had been in and out of the hospital and doctor's offices and fancy, fancy ultrasounds until they, you know, finally um, realized I was on the brink of like an emergency, urgent ectopic pregnancy. So they whisked me into surgery and I woke up from the surgery. And the first thing I said was, you know, how's my baby? Or like, or some, you know, like I didn't think, I, th- I thought I was somehow going to be able to go through this surgery and um, somehow I didn't, I didn't really know. I just remember like asking that question. Yeah. They're like, oh, sorry, we had to take out your fallopian tube and you're not pregnant anymore. And I was like, oh, Lord. And that was devastating. Yes. And um, then there were complications after that. So by the time I got pregnant with, again, it was like a year and a half later, I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, you know, my second pregnancy, which became who became Willie, um, my firstborn. So from, so because the first pregnancy was just so, you know, first of all, I was so holding my breath and then, you know, that breath collapsed into the devastation Mm -hmm. of an ectopic pregnancy, which is a pretty awful, you know, you you have abdominal surgery Mm -hmm. and you know, the rushing in the emergency rooms and everything. Yeah. It was awful. Um, and it was yeah. the first. So there's my first experience of being pregnant. So when when I found out I was pregnant with Willie, I just dropped to my knees, literally dropped to my knees and dropped to my knees every single morning and night of that pregnancy and prayed a prayer. Um, I think I include a couple lines of it in in my book. But, you know, it was, dear God, please make him the light of your love in this world. That was always the end of the prayer. And I, you know, the whole pregnancy was a prayer. Mm -hmm. And when he was born and they handed him to me, um, I so vividly remember reaching for him and feeling his beautiful pudgy little thighs and kind of being amazed that this body of mine that I hadn't that I wasn't trusting so much anymore, mm. um, had somehow miraculously this baby, this beautiful baby had, had come from inside. And so that was a, that was like a catapulting into a level of healing, um, that was extraordinary and, has taken my breath away from the very beginning and becoming his mother and being, I was 36 when he was born. I'd been a journalist for a long time. I'd been a pediatric nurse. I was so awake to every bit of mothering. And from the beginning, absolute beginning, I realized he was my teacher and I was the student. And um, I believed that, you know, God was, um, you know, infusing, these lessons were coming to me from God through Willie. And um, he was born and he's just like a lovely, deep thinking, deeply eloquent kid. Mm -hmm. And so from the beginning, he and I have been in Mm -hmm. conversation. Um, the other thing I should say is, you know, I'm a lifelong Catholic and my husband is um, a lifelong observant Jew. So one of our big mm-hmm. adventures in living was the fact that we had chosen to raise our mm-hmm. children in both religions. Blessedly, Chicago's at the fore, has long been at the fore of Jewish Catholic relations. And there was this fabulous group in Chicago, um, 
that originally was a group of couples, either mm. dating or just married Jewish Catholic dialogue group. Um, and then about five years after that, you know, that first group started, a lot of those couples through the, the dialogue and through, you know, a couple amazing clergy people and the support of people around them, mm-hmm. you know, ended up getting married and then had kids. And then the question became, well, we're this Jewish Catholic family. How do we raise these children? And so amazingly, Chicago was the first um, city to have um, a Jewish Catholic school, a Jewish Catholic Sunday school with um, curriculum written by a brilliant, brilliant educator who happened to be one of the pioneer families. And um, so, so that whole Jewish Catholic discovery was was for us was growing up with our firstborn will. And from the beginning, um, you know, we have Shabbat dinner every Friday night and we would, you know, we would teach him and talk about, you know, Jewish and Catholic um, beliefs and traditions from the beginning. And then he started going to, you know, they have like a kindergarten Sunday school. So he started going to kindergarten Sunday school. So, you know, so, so my mothering, because religion was, was such a core issue in our family, this, this Mm -hmm. trying to braid together wholeheartedly two religions, um, my mothering and prayerfulness and spirituality were all kind of one in the same. So that's just the lens through which I've always seen mothering. And I just have this sense that it's just this, the most deeply sacred element of my life. And as Mm -hmm. I, you know, because I'm a journalist, um, I, I just have a tendency to, um, you know, I, after, after a while, I realized, um, you know, when I was a writer at the Chicago Tribune, because I had been a nurse, I was a, a writer who was often called to kind of write stories of the heart. Mm-hmm. I was really good at getting like deep into emotionally complex stories. That was just a landscape that was natural for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had had this one assignment, um, an ongoing series, um, that my editor had asked if I would write really long, long form narrative stories about, it was called family passages. Mm. And I told other people's stories of, um, you know, a father who died and left five children and a widow. And so I spent a long, it was like immersive journalism. So I spent a long time with that widow, just kind of walking through the whole um, process of grief and how it just, mm-hmm. how it affects a family. I did a story on a couple um, having their first baby and just like, just like the newbornness and what it's like to be a brand new parent. And I did a story about a family who was transferred um they lived in Iowa and the dad's job transferred him to Chicago. So I spent time with them in Iowa and followed them through this move. And it was a family with three kids. And um, and then my own mom had breast cancer. And I did a story about, you know, just the, the family's journey when the mom, um, you know, is diagnosed with breast cancer and goes through chemo and radiation and that whole process. And they were stories that were very much like this fine grained emotional texture. And as I was working on those stories, I was a mom of my own by then. Um, our second was born and the second, our second child was a true miracle story. Um, so pregnancy was always kind of a challenge for me. The, so Willie was born in 1993 and then I had three, um, 
heartbreaking miscarriages oh. after Willie. Then I couldn't get pregnant at all anymore because I was 40, 41. Oh and um, after trying doing some fertility stuff, mm-hmm. just medications that I had all kinds of crazy complications from, mm-hmm. um, my dear, dear beloved husband, Blair, said, you know, Barbie, we're a tiny little family, but let's just revel in the family who we are. So the the point was, you know, let's just make peace with this. We have one magnificent child and, you know, it's great. And yes, we've been aching for a brother or a sister for that child. But, you know, this is what we've got and let's just make peace with it and go on. So I was um, just before my 44th birthday, once again, there was like a little bit of, um, wow. there was a little bit of spotting. Sorry if we're being too graphic. That's all I'll say. No, and that's... I thought, oh gosh, it must be menopause. Da, 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 da. Oh dear. What do you know? I'm about to, you know, hit the mid, the midpoint of my forties. Of course it's menopause. And then I had a dream one night, uh, not too many weeks later, I had a dream. And this woman in my dream says, um, I I distinctly remember it. It was a woman with a navy blue cable knit sweater. And she looked at me and she said, you are pregnant. And it was one of those kind of wake you up in the middle of the night dreams. So um, I elbowed my husband who the next day had no recollection of me elbowing him and saying, (laughs) I just had this weird dream. Um, But my best friend was in town from New York. And the next morning we had one of those marathon best friend conversations. And I didn't say a word to her about the dream. But then at the end of our marathon conversation, when we decided it was time to, you know, take showers, get dressed, get going for the day. She walked in to take a shower and then I kind of like knocked on the door and followed her and said, Viv, I have to tell you, I had this dream last night. So I tell my best friend about the dream and she right away says, we have to do a pregnancy test. And I said, I am never doing another pregnancy test in my life. Do you know how many pregnancy tests I've done that have broken my heart? So of course, by the end of the day, we had gone to Walgreens together without telling my husband and bought the pregnancy test. And I did the pregnancy test. She was watching Willie down in the living room and I went up to our bathroom to do the pregnancy test. And the the next thing anyone in the house hears is me screaming, Blair, come here. So Blair comes running up the stairs and says that, um, you know, he assumes he must have left the world's biggest toothpaste blob in the sink <laughs> because of my the alarm in my voice. And I'm he comes upstairs and I'm standing there holding that little pregnancy stick thing. And I'm like, oh, Blair, uh, I'm pregnant. And um, so anyway, so I'm sorry, my, my story circled back for a minute to, um, so just before my 45th birthday, I gave birth to eight pound, zero oh ounce goodness. Teddy Cayman um, in the summer of 2001, mm-hmm. August of 2001. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, flash back forward to the story I was telling you about journalism. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was writing about all these family passages, I was the mother by mm-hmm. then of two children, two boys, eight years apart. And after a while, I started realizing, you know, I'm telling just the everyday ordinary stories that are so filled with eternal Mm. questions and wisdoms of other people. And, you know, the stories that unfold on my very own home front are, you know, if the same journalistic Mm. eye is put to those stories and the same journalistic kinds of deeper questions are put against those stories. There's so much to be plumbed and mined here on the home front. So I started a blog and I would every day, I committed to writing every single day for the first year and every single weekday for the first year. And I would sit down. It became very quickly a spiritual practice. I would get up early before anybody else in the house was moving. I would sit down at my computer and I would just kind of, you know, close my eyes and think about what moment of the previous 24 hours Mm -hmm. had most captured my imagination and felt most Mm -hmm. fruitful to be plumbed. Um, And often those moments were mothering moments. And I would just sit down and I I would record the moment. And I'm so grateful I did. I started this 12 and a half years ago. Um, 
you know, these moments of mothering are just, they're so fleeting. They pass by so quickly. The beauty of, you know, because I'm a writer and my natural inclination is to sit down and capture them with words. I likened it to being a butterfly catcher and my net was one um, woven with words. And I was capturing these moments I never would have remembered. And now I have this whole record. Um, it's, Mm. it's like a photo album, but for me, because I'm a word person and the words capture nuance and texture that a photograph wouldn't maybe have captured. So I had this, you know, because I've been doing it, I'd been doing it for years. Um, Mm. after my first book, Slowing Time came out, um, I still had this stack of essays, mm. but they didn't want they didn't want slowing time to be filled with mothering stories. They wanted it to appeal to a wider audience, not just mothers. Um, and in the publishing world, I have found I knew, and I have since you know been reminded, mm. um, mothering mothering is a tough sell in the publishing world. But um, so you know, at first. Um, I was told by a publisher, I was told by an agent, no, 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 you don't, you don't want to do a collection of essays on mothering. But um, what happened Mm -hmm. is a really close friend of mine, I was working on another idea kind of half-heartedly. And then a a really dear friend of mine who was the mother of two young children died. Um, She had a, a longer cancer battle and it finally ended. And she and I were very, very close. And I had been, you know, there with her on the couch as she just, you know, ached and cried over the parts of her children's lives she knew she wasn't going to see. She wasn't going to be there for her son's high school graduation. She wasn't going to be there as her daughter went through college. And so the week after my friend Cecilia died, I was sitting at my desk and I knew I was supposed to be working on this other idea. Mm. And I had this stack of essays on my desk and I just almost felt like I just, you know, heard the words like those mothering essays are the, are, that's the book you need to get, you need to write. Mm. And so I sifted through all those and the publisher, my publisher agreed. I sifted through all those essays, reading through them you know, one moment at a time asking myself, what, what, what really are all these lessons about? What are essays about? What are they pointing toward? And I just really profoundly realized um, that, you know, mothering for me, and I think for you, because I've read your gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous book, um, mothering is where you really, really mm-hmm. learn and practice and practice and practice um, the great golden rule, love as you would be loved. And I hold that up to myself all the time and enter into my kids' lives trying to be as empathetic as possible about the pains and the struggles and the confusions they're living through and listening attentively and putting my whole heart on the line with them and pretty much moving mm-hmm. heaven and earth to try to walk with them through whatever they're walking through to try to be their mm-hmm. staunchest ally at every turn um and that's really hard. And there's times that you just wish you didn't have to do it, (laughs) you know, but you just keep doing it. And motherhood is inescapable. You've, you know, you have this, this love that is just sealed from with both my boys before I met them and saw them face to face, the love was sealed. Yeah. And so you discover and exercise capacities in yourself you just never knew you had, but because mm-hmm. you're in it, you're in it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you 
you know, you find courage you didn't know you had. I'm a person who doesn't like to ruffle feathers. So, you know, there have been moments that have been really hard and just, you know, challenged the heck out of me. But mm-hmm. you, you step up to the plate and you do what needs to be done. And, you know, my oldest is now 25. Mm-hmm. And I had to think for a minute, how old is he? <laughs> and, you know, you see how much you've grown and the growth for me that matters most is that spiritual dimension. So that's a really yeah. long-winded answer to your question, but that's that kind of mm-hmm. situates us where we are. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I I also Oh, that at topped it pregnancy sounds so hard. And I had two miscarriages before I had my mm-hmm. first and I hear for you how that oriented you towards the miracle of the gift of this life, mm-hmm. right? And that, beautifully put, mm-hmm. yeah, that every day was a prayer. And so you were primed when he, you know, when he finally came out into the world. You were, um, oh, <laughs> I didn't take a minute of it for exactly. granted. Not a minute. Yeah, yeah, and and oriented toward, towards him as teacher, and oriented towards him as. Mm-hmm. Um, as teacher and divine gift and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. that's beautiful yeah i mean i've i've had like i mean i think that's one of the blessings of being an older mom from the get go mm-hmm. um and having had my heart broken plenty yeah. of times by life um so maybe that's you know maybe that's just where it begins when you know, you're just mm-hmm. jaw dropped with awe, pinching yourself yeah. that, you know, this, this quiet thing. And, you know, it wasn't like I was, obviously I waited until I was 36 to have that first baby, but, um, you know, I, 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 it was just, it was, it was just something that just was so organic and, um, yeah seem to be where I hoped I was always heading. And as rich as the rest of my life has been and still is, there's just something about the sacredness of mothering that Mm -hmm. is unparalleled. Mm -hmm. There's no hiding in motherhood. No. I mean, there's no hiding motherhood. (laughs) You know, like... Yeah. And those little rascals, they, they see, they call you on stuff when they see it. And so, you know, it, it, yeah, it's It's such a strip. It's quite a process. It is. And I hear in your story that, um, the healing, the healing that took place and the way you Mm. were kind of brought Mm -hmm. home to yourself and Mm -hmm. how in motherhood you're taken to the edge of yourself. Right. And beyond, mm-hmm. beyond what you ever thought mm-hmm. you were capable of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're leaping into this place Yeah, and um, you're tested mm-hmm. and you find out. I'm thinking you find out that, you know, you have what it takes. Mm to get it done. And then also, you know, not always. There mm-hmm. are there are plenty of t- there are times when you just don't have the answer. Yeah. You just don't know where to go. And that is often when I truly leap into prayer. And oh dear God help me. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. There's, you know, there's so many haunting nights. Mm-hmm as a mother, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, the hours we lie awake, Mm -hmm. you know, tossing and turning some situation, searching for the light, hoping it comes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's an incredibly humbling um, spiritual adventure because for all the times we find we do have the capacity to take things to a hallelujah resolution. There are, you know, there are plenty of moments 
in which, you know, all we can do is, you know, crumple up in tears and know that, um, you know, whatever unfolded hurts and hurts. Mm. And, um, you know, we didn't get the fairy tale ending we kind of hoped we could find mm -hmm. for our kid. Because nobody makes it through life without, you know, nine million aches yeah. and wounds along the way. You know, when your junior high kid comes down into the kitchen late at night and has tears in his eyes and starts telling you stories about kids at school mm -hmm. who are bullying, you know, what can you do? You try, yeah. but you can't make the bullies stop. Yeah. Anyway, yes. so it's, you know, you're just in the trenches and on the front line and taking it as it comes and you you wake up each day not really knowing what's going to come your way. So you just try to practice, you know, you try to exercise all of those spiritual muscles mm -hmm. so that you can, you can take it and you can find faith and, um, you know, prayerfulness. Mm -hmm having soulful mother friends who, you know, are non-judgmental and who can meet you, you know, somehow hold your hand as you walk through the dark. Um, that's all part of it. Yeah. Those companions are so important. Those companions. Yeah. 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 So your kids right now are exactly how old? They are four and six and eight. Ah, so they're little. <laughs> they're little. I'm out of the, um, you know, I'm out of the valley of the diapers. I'm not in the. <laughs> yeah, I remember that's such a yes, such an emancipating moment. It really is. Yeah. So and then have... when the youngest one starts going to slumber parties, although since you have three, it's probably not going to happen that you have all three gone the same night. But. The first time you actually go to bed in a quiet house and there's no one to be listening for, it's like, oh, how did I get here? Finally, finally, finally. And then the next thing you know, as is the case at my house, I'm waiting, you know, we're waiting to hear where the where the younger one is going to go to college next year. And after all this time, after 25 years of mothering, I'm going to be alone in this house next year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But the truth is, you know, it doesn't matter if they're in the house or not in the house, mm -hmm. you know, the mother brain does not turn off and, um, you know, the phone calls come and the problems usually are bigger and more complex than, um, than they were long ago. Although at the time they all feel huge and mm -hmm. because you're going through it for the first time. Right. 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 You're figuring it out. Yes. Yeah. How is, I love the language that you use of, um, the curriculum the curriculum of mothering and boils mm -hmm. down to loving as you would be loved. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, as your kids are, are older, how, what do I want to ask? How has that changed? Like have, has the spiritual lessons of motherhood changed over time or is it just a deepening of the same truth? Yeah. I think it's more the latter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, God must know that we need, I always talk about spiritual practice means we have to practice, practice. over and yes. over and over and over because we keep flubbing it. So we have to keep practicing it. So, you know, I think it's just kind of this beautiful recurring leitmotif of mothering that, you know, you've, um, because truly, you know, the weight of the various crises and potential outcomes of crises seems in, in some ways gets heavier mm -hmm. and heavier as mm -hmm. the kids grow older. And so, you know, it's like you, you absorb these lessons, practice mm -hmm. these lessons and truths um, it's as if somebody's like increasingly putting a weight on the barbell. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the things you that get flung at you when they're 20 and 25, um, you know, it's just it's just a deepening. And blessedly you can 
think, for instance, my, um, my 25 year old, um, had a terrible bike accident when he was 13 mm. and, you know, flew, God bless him. He, um, was riding his bike on Columbus day, um, in 2006, I think. Um, and, um, we had just given him a cell phone the week before he was like the last kid in junior high to get a cell phone. And we gave him a cell phone because he called me collect from the school phone. And it costs like $8 to make a collect call. And I was like, that's <laughs> ridiculous. I'm getting you a cell phone. So we got him a cell phone. So he goes out for a bike ride and he swerved a chipmunk ran across the bike path and he swerved to not hit Aww. the chipmunk and hit a pothole that was covered by leaves so he didn't see the pothole and went flying over the handlebars and um, was unconscious when a group of riders, I don't think, I I mean, I hope they weren't too far behind him. I'll never know how far behind him they were. Um, They came up to him and found him lying there all bloodied and saw his cell phone and um, picked it up and searched for home and hit the home button. And um, this woman who I didn't know um, just said to me, you know, hi, I'm da-da-da-da. And, um, you know, she she said to me like 17 times in the phone call, you know, your son is fine. Your son is fine. I think you need to come get him. Um, She should have called an ambulance, but I drove to get him, which scared me in retrospect. Um, and I, it also taught me the lesson that when somebody calls you and tells you 17 times that your kid is fine, <laughs> pretty good chance the kid is not so fine. So anyway, I took him to the emergency room and he had, um, they knew right away he had one fracture in his, in his neck and um, they thought there was a second one and it was an absolutely terrifying thing. They had, they were at one point, we're talking about airlifting him from our local hospital to the children's hospital downtown. Mm. Um, I was at his bedside through the entire thing, including some really terrifying moments in which I overheard the um, MRI technicians talking about how bad it was. And I thought they were talking about Willie's outcome. Mm. Um, But I lived through that. I sat in that ambulance and rode down Lakeshore Drive to Children's Memorial. I sat with him, you know, for a few days in the intensive care unit at Children's. And that then becomes, to switch metaphors, you know, one of the bricks Mm. that I that I build into Mm. my foundation. And upon that moment, you know, I, I can always hark back to that and remember, wait a minute, you like, you did not collapse when Willie broke his neck and they were talking about airlifting Mm. and they put you in an ambulance and they raced down Lakeshore Drive. You stayed with him. You didn't fall apart. You got through that. And so the beauty is, you know, and I talk in, um, I talk in my first book, Slowing Time, which is arranged seasonally, that one of the Mm discoveries of, um, and I have five seasons in slowing time. I begin with winter, the season of deepening, and then I go through, you know, spring Mm -hmm. and summer and fall and back to another winter again, season of stillness. And the point I make in that book is the realization, and this is probably some kind of Zen thing that, you know, it like our lives are not just a, a single plane circle. We're not just going around and around in circles. We're always spiraling. Yes. And so yes. with the lessons of mothering, you know, that, that lesson of accompanying Willie through the horrors of the mm-hmm. phone call from the stranger and, driving him in my car to the first emergency room and riding in the ambulance to the second emergency room. Um, that truth stays with me. And upon that, I build, um, you know, the courage and the stamina mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. knowledge that mm-hmm. I can, you know, and so we just keep building. So, so all yeah. along the way we're absorbing these lessons and they're cumulative and, they just keep carrying us toward, you know, choose your orientation, a deeper place or a higher place. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it's there, it's there for us and for some of us 
mothering is just this ripe field yeah. from which we reap yeah. a bountiful harvest. Mm-hmm. Man, do I switch metaphors around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a brick. We've had a harvest. We've had a bounty. Um, I love it. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, I talk about that, that sense of um... – spiraling, you know, in my work as a spiritual director, because often people say, I can't believe I'm back here. Right. I can't believe I'm back here facing this challenge again. And it's like, and we are, and we're not, Mm -hmm. we're, we're facing Mm -hmm. it from a new, it's a new perspective. It's a new spot. And we're coming into it with all that we've experienced before, you know, the Mm -hmm. way you now carry that live knowledge of Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. how you companion your son through the scariest Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. It seems, you know, it's such an important spiritual geometry, understanding the, you know, the ascension piece of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And you gave him the cell phone just the week before. I know. Hello. Wow. Hello. (laughs) I often think with God, I often, um, something like that happens where, I'm given something just as I need it, or you gave something away just yeah. as you needed it. And, yeah. and I feel like, God, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that if I'd known what I was going to need it for, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, and thank you, <laughs> you know, both. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to think quickly of other examples of, you know, God giving, you <laughs> what you need yeah. just as you're about to need it um mm. you know the unending miracle of my life is that i got i got to have teddy mm. my now 17 year old and i always think you know he was my chance to try it again <laughs> he was my chance to <sighs> Because gosh darn it, you learn, you work so hard and you learn so much. And then, um, but of course, the cosmic joke is the second is nothing like the first. So So good luck with all those lessons you thought you could just like go back to the file and go, wait a minute now, how did that one go? Oh, yeah. Well, forget it because it's not going to work on kid number two or kid number three or kid number four. So I'm told. Um, Yeah, I only uh, practiced it twice. But, my parents um, tell the story of um, I'm the oldest and I'm kind of a typical oldest child, you know, really listen to my parents. And they I, I turned up, course. you know, when I was like two, I turned up the volume on the TV when TV still had knobs. And and they, yeah. knobs, <laughs> and they said, you know, Lauren, stop. And I just started crying and I never did it again. And I'm like, oh, we've got this parenting thing figured out. Oh. We've got this. And my sister comes along and. <laughs> Three years later, she turns up the knob and they say, Megan, stop. And she just looks at him and she keeps turning. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah, God must think it's really, really funny. Right? (laughs) I actually love to think about God's sense of humor because humor is just like one of the necessary ingredients. So if we've got humor, you know God's got it. Oh, my gosh, yes. And don't we see mm-hmm. evidence of it all around us, I think. Of- all around us. Yeah, yeah, all around us. Oh, man. <laughs> this conversation is, you're making, you're reminding me that, um, you know, like my current spate of words, because there's always like an ongoing list. Like if I walked mm-hmm. around with a thought bubble, <laughs> if you could, if you could see my thought bubble, you'd be like, whoa, that's intense. <laughs> um, but this conversation is reminding me that, um, you know, the current, contents of the thought bubble that are keeping me awake at night um that somehow somehow inside once again i will we will we will march through it we will find the resources we need to find and someday we'll look back on this particular challenge and say we made it yeah we made it we got through so um because you know we're human as much as we learn and absorb and have moments of such confidence in our capacities, you know, the next morning we can just feel like hit by a bulldozer and think, I can't yeah. do this one. Like yeah. this, this is going to be the time I have to wave the white flag. 
I'm not going to make it. That. But then you, somehow we yeah, do. Yeah, that is, I, I think a lot about holy paradox. And that's one of those both hands, or maybe mm. the both hand in mothering mm. is the way mm. I think we get to participate in the divine light, right? Like we get to love as God loves. We get to, and we become, I think we become holier. I think we, mm. I really feel like I become more like God through my mothering. Mm. And wait, 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 say that again. You feel like you what? I feel like I become more like God. Yeah. You know, I that's not something I, I would, you know, would say to somebody in the grocery store line, but that's really no, true. Right? That's really true. I'm, I'm, like the truth is uh, we're moving closer. We're yes, moving, I think we yeah. more selfless. Yeah. More and loving. that is truly not something that is yeah. those are words that are not usually spoken outside sort of a sacred chamber. Yes. Yeah. And but that is the truth. It's the truth. And we become more human. And I encounter yeah. the oh, right, right, brokenness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And kind of beautifully, um, that's that's the gift. That's the payoff for paying such close attention to the spiritual practice of mothering. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any other spiritual practice that would propel me in this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because as you just said, it's so raw. It's so real. It's so uncharted. It just mm-hmm. comes at you and comes at you and comes at you and you just keep responding. And if you have a prayerful center, mm-hmm that's your orientation it's going to draw you deeper into that godly realm yeah and so I can't think of a better way to spend my one short life Mm. than to be doing this and then the other really beautiful thing that just made me think of is we are, we are, even though our children in many ways are our teachers, we are teaching our children how to love. We are sending our little people yeah. out into this universe having shared in the curriculum we so fully are attending to. Mm-hmm. They learn in the home what it means to love and be loved. And so the paradigm of love and gentle tenderness, they mm-hmm. will carry into the world, into their spheres of relationship are the ones they've been learning from us who've chosen, who've taken this curriculum really seriously, you know? Yeah. You, I- and your, your, your people are so little now, you might not think about that a lot, but mine are, mm-hmm. you know, one's in law school. He hopes to be a law professor. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, on the brink of being out in the world. Yeah. And the, my younger one is about to go off to college. Yeah. So, you know, love begets love. You and, you articulate that so beautifully in your writing. I think that these that our loving of our children as small, you know, it happens in these. Um, yeah, it happens in the walls of our home, right? It happens in this small place, yeah. and yet it's it's not just for that small place, and right that it's it's for the healing. That hopefully, hopefully, mm-hmm. it is a way of participating in the healing of the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, you just reminded me because I had forgotten about that whole. That was such an important point to me because I feel like our society so often discounts mm-hmm. so much of mothering yeah. and so much of what we do. Some of the most important work we do is so invisible. Yes, but yeah, remember who you were when you were sitting on the bathroom floor at three in the morning and it was your hand Mm -hmm. that was holding that precious fevered child. Mm -hmm. And you taught that child what it is to be sheltered and harbored. And you're teaching that child what love 
what God's love is. Like, isn't their image of God going to be the love they learned from you? Yeah. And, and, and that was such a profound part of that book. I I Mm -hmm. forgot, you know, but I, I remember once I was giving a book talk shortly after Mother Prayer came out. And it was this lovely group of, it was women. I think it was all women. And this one woman raised her hand and she said, you know, um, after listening to you, she said, you know, I was just saying to my daughter this afternoon, she said, my grandkids were over at my house and my daughter was there and we were talking. And I said to my daughter, you know, I haven't, haven't, I just haven't done anything with my life. Mm. And she said, after, you know, listening to this conversation, mm. she said, I realize, you know, and I'm, I'm not repeating this quite as eloquently as it unfolded the first time, but because um, I haven't remembered the story in a while, but um, she said, you know, you're making me realize that, you know, mothering alone is an important thing to do with your life. So I didn't tell that story very well, but I just was so struck. And I think there's so, because our, our culture and our society just doesn't, you know, there's so many ways in which like, you know, soccer moms is kind of a derogatory term and on and on and on. And, you know, what I think I was most, proud of in mother prayer was the possibility that, you know, I could just hold mothering up to the light Mm -hmm. and let so many of its fine grained um, moments be honored and glorified. Yeah. Because it matters. It matters. Mm-hmm. And there's so much. I read a quote in an article along the lines of motherhood is one of the most romanticized and least examined aspects of our life. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Like there is, there's so much about, oh, um, you know, warm and fuzzy maybe around motherhood or, or about how to do it. You know, here are the things. Right. Right, right. Or there's the the whole realm of snarky mothering writing. Oh know, my gosh, yes. Moms who yeah. drink, moms who this. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I really think it's holy. And yes, yeah. Um, so would you just like talk for a second about, um, <clears throat> I mean, can you talk a little bit about how you came to write your book? Because I really, it, it really is yeah. um, breathtaking. And I think, would you mind just talking a little bit about how you came to, you know, to the writing of your book and how you frame it? Because I just think it dovetails really beautifully with everything we've been talking about. Thank you. Well, it was interesting hearing you say how you came to write Mother Prayer and that turning of the journalistic eye to Uh your own life and kind of honoring your own story the uh-huh. way you've honored other stories. And that's similar for me, you know, as a spiritual director, I, I listen to people's stories and I hold people's stories and, and I'm fascinated by the spiritual life. And here I was in the throes of motherhood and feeling like everything I knew about uh-huh. how to connect with God was upended. And I wanted to give myself that same, that same gift of curiosity and that uh-huh. same gift of space to really explore what is happening here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And longing for that for other moms, longing, you know, I longed for it for myself, that gift of space to Uh explore and to hold these moments and to really Hmm. tease out what God was saying through them. Mm -hmm. And I want that because I agree with you. I think it's such, I think it's such holy ground. I think, Mm -hmm. I think we're the teachers and we're the students and Mm -hmm. we need, and it's hard to find space to be mm-hmm. with that reality. And I wanted to... And isn't the right... Like, the writing is the space. Like, that's yes. what's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just what we do, but then we find out, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is where I discover. This yes. is... Oh, my yeah. gosh. So keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I um, I often use the language of, you know, motherhood is my spiritual practice, but what are the practices that I need 
to tend to the practice? You know, what do I need so that I can mm, experience mm. the spiritual reality? And absolutely writing. Writing is a spiritual uh-huh. practice that, uh-huh. yeah, that opens up space to explore the full reality. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. So then you, because you were using that writing practice mm-hmm. to mine anyway that that's how you came to um yeah so i had always the framing of your book. exactly exactly and um i've always been a writer and so that was a natural that was a natural way to explore it um and the framing for me was really around um around the spiritual journey and what are the dynamics of the spiritual life and what do I know as a spiritual director and how am I seeing that played out in new ways in the walls of my own home. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. often it's, you know, so much of it is around, um, Oh, you said there's no hiding in motherhood. It's around the death of the false self and the yeah. tearing away of masks and the getting to what's real and what's true that lies underneath. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's really powerful about your book and your writing is you carry that, um, same stripping away, that stripping away is an essential part of your writing. You're a really honest writer mm-hmm. and that honesty is what kind of strikes the heart because mm-hmm. as a reader, and I read a lot, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but you know, one of my, one of my you know, I was at the Chicago Tribune for almost 30 years and I still, um, they asked me years ago, you know, if I would do like a monthly roundup of books for the soul that mm-hmm. I write for the Tribune, like as a freelancer. Um, and it runs in the, in the, um, book section. Um, so I read a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of soulful kinds of books. And what made your book stand out is, you know, just it's, it's piercing honesty. Mm. You know, you're not pretending that you're perfect or any sort of thing. And, you know, an astute reader can tell right away when someone's Mm. like not being honest (laughs) and it's, it's more rare to, Mm. to, to read the kind of writing with the level of honesty that you write with. And so that same stripping away that's an essential part of real spiritual practice is an essential part for you of your writing. And that's, I think, what gives it its um, kind of urgent propellant. It just Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a heat-seeking missile for the heart (laughs) and it just gets in. And so because you're so honest about... You know, I can't remember, you know, the moments exactly, but I know there were plenty of moments I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, you know, some you wake up the next morning and you're ready to pull your hair out or whatever it was. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, um, you know, I just um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your book because I think you 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 literally lay out the spiritual practices of motherhood mm-hmm. in, um, in ways that, you know, anyone who has an inherent orientation of mothering as one of the most spiritual places in our lives, um, could read your book and just find, you know, mm-hmm. find it such a companion. Thank you. And that's so important, as we, you know, said earlier in this conversation, like companions, <laughs> companions are really necessary, really, really necessary. And, you know, I think there's something about mother. It's really hard to find non-judgmental companions. And I think the root of that is everyone is so insecure about their own mothering incapacities that, you know, there's way too much judging going on. And so I have learned to be really, you know, um, really mindful of, um, and deliberate in, um, sharing my mothering journey with, you know, kindred spirits. Yes. And when you find them, they're just priceless, priceless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I found, like, I found one when I read your book. So (laughs) there you go. Thank you. That is such a gift to me because I felt, 
Yeah. Your book is your, all of your writing is so beautiful. I felt such a deep connection with mother prayer in particular. And just like, just as I was reading, just feeling holy. Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. And the deepest part of my soul. Thank you. As I read along. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Barbara, thank you so much for the gift of this conversation. You are so, we dove right in. We got right, right into the heart of it. We didn't waste one minute. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was lovely. It was really lovely. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. Oh, welcome. And listeners, thank you for exploring with us today. You can learn more about Barbara at her website, barbaramahaney.com. You can also find links to her books and to other resources that we've referenced in our show notes. I hope that today's conversation inspires you to play with spiritual practice in your daily life. If you do, I'd love to hear about it. You can reach me via my website, laurenburdett.com. As always, our amazing music is by the band This Side of Eve. You can find this song and all of their music at thissideofeve.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for journeying with me through this first season of the podcast. I'm already looking forward to the conversations we will have next season. I'm grateful to share the road with you.